I kill so many less animals now that I'm doing the actual killing than I do blindly when I'm just eating. Like I get down with people that are like, why don't you just go get your food at the store where (laughs) no animals are harmed? Like that's a literal sentence people type out to me. All right, welcome back to the From Field to Plate podcast. I'm here with Sarah Rowe, and I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at the picture and just loving the dreads and loving <laughs> Thank the, you. The, the lifestyle. It's, very, uh, it's a very fitting hairstyle for me because I don't like to brush my hair. So Yeah, uh, I'm bald, and so it's a very <laughs> fitting lifestyle for me to not have it because I hated when I grew up brushing my hair and combing my hair, being like a little crazy surf kid. In and I had like Little House on the Prairie, like just super straight I couldn't do anything with it. Just really like Wednesday Adams hair. And uh, I don't know this. I feel like the dreads fit me more. My hair was so clean looking. And now you're like, oh, I live off the land. And yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I mean, you have kind of a cool career for only being, you know, 30 years old. Um, I think, yeah. And let's see, you've gone, you know, professional wrestling uh, where you got to beat up other chicks uh, for fun mm-hmm. and do that. Uh, married a wrestler, which he's an amazing dude. If you haven't given him a chance, I think it's like Eric, the Viking on social media, go check that out. And then you guys started like a TV show where you guys are talking about your homesteading. And then I think the most important thing to me is you became a mom. And I think that, yeah, that was huge. Just being someone on the outside, watching in and being friends, watching you embrace that and take that over from, you know, as a dad who's doing it, I love seeing you just put yourself out there completely as a mom. Thanks. It's not, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, like it's a super intimate part of my life and like a lot of people have, uh, you know, something to say about it. So it, uh, it definitely is, uh, it's scary, but I think worthwhile, like my, my Instagram used to just be like just all wrestling based and I'm a lot more than just a wrestler. Like now I'm all, you know, I'm all I am is, other things that a wrestler. So when I, um, when I got released from WWE during COVID, I was like, man, my social media kind of sucks for me to be on right now. Like it's all just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And, you know, it was kind of, you know, not jaded by the wrestling world, but you know, it hurt my feelings. So I didn't want to be surrounded by it. So getting to be a part of like the outdoor homestead, homemaker like mom community was was very very helpful for me for sure yeah and I think one of like I was talking to my wife about it and I was showing her stuff because a lot of women are really scared to put themselves out there with the whole breastfeeding thing with the whole being a mom with even putting their kids on social media these days they're very you know kind of ashamed by a lot of things and they want to you know especially a lot of the influencer moms where it's all about their persona it's all about them being perfect it's all about them and I think what is encouraging about yours to a lot of women is that you're like, I'm not perfect. Like, here, know. you know, here's my naked I, kid I running through the forest. I am a breastfeeding, I am a breastfeeding mom. Like I, I've breastfed probably five times a day. Like it's, it's a very much a part of my life and I swear by it. Like I, I understand why people like choose not to, I don't agree with it, but I definitely understand why like breastfeeding is freaking hard. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And while I will do it until my son quits, I don't like it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's demanding. It's painful. It's, 
like my hormones from a hormone standpoint, just for me alone, it's not ideal for me to be breastfeeding hormonally, right. you know, like I'm not able to recover. Like it's, I'm hungry all the freaking time. Like, it's just, I'm not my normal. I'm not the self I've known for, you know, 28 years, I guess, 27. I've been breastfeeding and pregnant for a long time, but yeah, it's, it's definitely hard. And I, I like to preach that, like, it's okay to say that it sucks and it's okay to say that it's hard. Cause it's, I mean, you have kids, you freaking love your kids, but it freaking sucks sometimes. And I yeah. think it's healthy to, to say that out loud. <laughs> no, I agree. And I remember when my wife was talking to, there's a lady, a girl at our church, she's in her twenties mm-hmm. and she's having a baby for the first time. And my wife looked at her and goes, Hey, pregnancy sucks. <laughs> having a baby sucks. Like, and she's like, well, no, she goes, everyone's going to tell you that it's all butter, you know, butterflies and rainbows. And you won't remember the pain once you get out of the hospital and you see the little face. She's like, bullshit. Like, oh yeah, hundred it sucks. Like I've got a 12 year old and, and an eight year old and my eight year old still comes up in the middle of the night. Like I'm hot. I'm tired. It's like, you're eight years old. Stay in your freaking bed. Like, <laughs> we haven't, we haven't slept a full night for like 12 years, you know? Oh yeah. I, I don't doubt that at all. Like, um, I, until probably. I think like less than a month ago, Cash started only waking up once a night, um, which was huge. He only uh, woke up every like hour, hour and a half for a long time. Um, I started really lowering my stress levels myself. Like I had like a Dutch test, it was like a hormone test and my cortisol levels were freaking out of the, out of this world. And I'm sure it's from like always being in a state of stress through like wrestling mentally and emotionally and physically stressful. Like my life has just been stressful. I mean, we're, you know, modern day living. That's just how it is. And I think because my cortisol levels were high because he was breastfeeding, they get my hormones. I think his were high too. So he was having a lot of trouble and I sleeping and I didn't know why for the longest time. So I got my cortisol levels fixed and he, well, not fixed, but better. And he starts waking up once, but I think he's about to start talking. So he went to bed. He didn't nap yesterday, went to bed at like 7 PM, woke up at 2 AM, ready to party. Didn't go back to sleep till five 30. And then we woke up at nine, which is too late to wake up at a farm, but I got to sleep. So this morning I had to move cows. I had to make up, put up new fencing. Um, I run another farm, um, too. So I had to go over there, which is a horse farm. Had to take care of the horses. Uh, it's like a hundred degrees here today, which is very atypical for Northern Ohio. So I had to make sure the horses had plenty of water. I had to make, cause horses are super bougie. My cows are fine. I can just let them out. But right. horses I had to make sure they had like inside, had to make sure their fans were on. I had to like, so I was running around like, ah, yeah, it's, it's crazy life. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about like what I know kind of the story, but for people that are listening, um, what kind of thrusted you guys into that, that homestead farmer lifestyle from being in the, you know, kind of the extreme. And I've, I've heard it from your husband, but like on, on your perspective, what really, cause it's not easy. It's not easy to, yeah. to do it yourself. It's not easy to procure your own food and store. Your, I mean, cause you can grow 500 pounds of potatoes. That's fine. But what do you do yeah. with 500 pounds of potatoes and how do you store it? And you know, it's not, we get, I think you and I, and many other people, we get, categorized into this prepper, you know, group. Mm -hmm. And yes, in a sense, we're prepping, but we're not prepping because we're, you know, like the 1950s going down in our bunker because we're afraid the Nazis are going (laughs) to bomb us. We're prepping because of like what we see in society and how food costs and all that kind of stuff. So like, at what point did you and, you know, Ray decide that this is the lifestyle we were going to do and kind of just dove full for, you know, full, full force into it? 
So um, when I was full time wrestling, like a farm is not something we would have been able to kind of have with unless we spent like a lot of money and hired a farmhand that could like literally just run the farm how we wanted it ran, which we run our farm different than a lot of people, especially a lot of people around here. Like we get a lot of head shaking from farmers even right next to us. Um, and so when I got released during COVID, um, we, you know, like the food shortage thing was happening and like, and, and this was, this wasn't even like, I think it's worse now than it was for sure. I think it, I think like production got halted because of COVID, but now I think that like production's getting just taken out of the equation at this point. But, um, we were like, Hey, want to grow our own food? Uh, we want a hearty cow. Um, like I'm a, um, when I want to do something, I do it. And Ray is a very much like he's going to plan it out and be methodical. And, and so with our powers combined, we get stuff done pretty well. So uh, I was like, let's do this. And I give him all these options. of like, we could do this and this and this. And we found Highland cows, which in Cleveland, Ohio, um, it's very cold up here. It's very, it can get like treacherous here. And um, so we wanted a cow that was hardy that we wouldn't have to like baby like Angus cows. You have to help them calf you have to help them like my highlands are feral i can just let them as long as they have grass they're fine um so we wanted to grow our own food we wanted to and now even the the more i've learned as i've gone on like it's just getting more and more important um between what our food is sprayed with like none of my animals are eating anything sprayed with glyphosate like none of my animals are getting vaccinated a bunch because my animals are sick. My farm's not sick. I don't have to vaccinate. I don't have to medicate. I don't have to do anything because I have a healthy farm with healthy animals. Like a lot of people think, for instance, like raw milk is gross. Raw milk's going to get you sick. Raw, raw, sick milk is only going to come from a sick cow. Yep. Same with beef. So I can't control where my beef comes from. Like you know, I can shop locally and I think that's a great option for a lot of people like find your local Weston A. Price chapter leader and find local beef and go to that farm. But I just wanted to be more involved. I didn't like how the beef like a lot of people see the beef industry and go vegan or vegetarian. I saw the beef industry and went farmer. Right. So I, I relate a lot to vegans and vegetarians. I really do. Like I'm like, I understand. I just think the way you're going about it is wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I think even on the, you know, you and her husband hunt as well. And for me, you know, I live in a town home in garden Grove, And so mm-hmm. it's not like I can have a big farm because, but on my 20 by 10 deck, I'm growing ridiculous amounts of, you know, sustainable foods, like, you know, tomatoes, cucumbers, all the stuff that I can yeah, yeah, for can sure. bottle and all that stuff. But when it comes to the hunting realm, I get the same thing. I talk to hunters all, or vegans and vegetarians. I say, I'm on the same boat as you. Like I drive mm-hmm. I mean, here in California. We're huge known for our dairy right? In central, yeah, yeah. central California. And you drive down the five freeway going in the, in, you know, in the central California Valley and you drive past these farms and it's sad. It's disgusting. It's, you know, thousands, bad. Oh, thousands yeah. and thousands of cows laying and living and drinking and eating in their own feces until they're slaughtered. And it's, and it's, it's like so unfortunate that like, you drive past those places and like, and, and I did this too. Like you blame like the farm. You're like, man, that's like, how could someone do that to these animals? Yada, yada. But like to, I think it's 90, 96% of farmers can't make mo- enough money to pay their wages off their farm. Oh, hundred percent. 
And like, and that's just like at your farm. Now a lot more farmers can pay their wages with government help. And that's a lot of farmers are getting pigeonholed in this thing because the government will sell them, you know, half price on feed and half price on animals and like, all right, well, you buy the infrastructure. And then if the farmer wants to kind of go away from that, they can't, they have too much overhead. Like they have to be getting those animals and the feed at half price at half, at half price. So like, it's like, I, I don't agree with that kind of farming. I, I, I wouldn't eat from that kind of farm, but like, to make money now it's 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 just so like luckily we're in a position where we're like lowering our cost of living every year and we don't have to turn a profit with our farm if if i had to turn a profit with this farm i would have to find like a niche group of people like my eggs alone i'd have to sell them at like 15 dollars a car uh, a dozen well that's what they're selling for in california so <laughs> well in ohio <laughs> if you go down the road they're two dollars a dozen right. so yeah, i'm like would- but my like my chickens i can't put a value on them right they give me great eggs. They free range. So they get, keep the flies off my cows. They keep the ticks out of my yard. They fertilize the ground. They bring new chickens into this world. So I don't have to buy other chickens. Like I can't, I can't put a value on my animals, you know? Yeah. They do more than just food for me. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard for a lot. Like I, I, I know a lot of farmers in the industry and they do, I I think last week they were just in Washington DC with the uh, national dairy association when they were fighting for these dairies and stuff like that. And talking to my, you know, friend Nikki Boxler and some of these other big farmers that I know that were down there who were advocating for this stuff. And they're in the same boat that you're talking about where during COVID they were having to dump milk trucks because they were like, Oh, we don't have production for it. And so these farmers, these farmers are paying for these cows. They're paying for the feed. They're paying for the maintenance on the milking machines. They're paying for, you know, the distillers so that they can have pasteurized milk. They're paying for all these different things that go into it. And the government mm-hmm. comes in and is like, hey, dump your milk out in a field because we don't have yeah. milk for it. And you look at all that kind of stuff and you look at just the way the world's going. And I don't understand why people make fun of preppers. I don't understand why people make fun of homesteaders. I don't feel, yeah. I, I don't get it because the reason that these farms are producing mass amounts of what they're doing and they're having animals live in these conditions is because it's the supply and demand. And, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. you can just go to Walmart grocery store and look at the shelves covered in beef. Well, yeah. How many Walmarts are in the U.S.? I mean, I know mm-hmm. that just in my town alone, there's 12, you know, yeah, yeah. and all of those have to be supplied with beef and all those have to be supplied with eggs and chicken. And so you start to look at this saying, OK, well, that's why they're, you know, and I don't know, but I'm encouraged. When I see you guys doing your stuff and seeing, you know, someone asked a question like, how are your cows? I was telling them I was going to talk to you and they're like, well, ask her how her cows are. I'm like, I... my, my, my cows are beautiful, happy and healthy. Like um, we are, uh, we just let, we have to keep our bull separated uh, for like three months out of the year. We don't want him calfing the girls. He would have been breeding the girls too early. So the calf in the winter or breed him too late in the calf in the summer. So they could die of the cold. They could die of flight strike. So we just let him out. So he's back on pasture. Like this is like prime time for cows right now. Like my cows are the happiest they'll ever be. They're on, like when we moved here, it was just dirt outside because the guy that lived here before here just did corn and corn just, you know, devastates the ground, just layers of topsoil after topsoil, just gone. So we came in we planted pasture and we put the cows on the pasture. And so they're eating it. We take half and leave half. We do what's called rotational grazing. So it just fertilizes the crop. Like it's hard for me to walk through the grass. It's so thick. 
and putting the cows on that every like we put get them a fresh strip every day and they're just happy little freaking cows. I'm, I'm flies are a little annoying right now i'm having a hard time naturally combating the flies um but um working on that but they're 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 super happy my my jersey cows are uh they'll, they'll be those are gonna be our dairy cows um they'll be in milk this time next year and um highlands are great we actually decided i think what, what we're gonna decide to do here recently i think we might because we're just a beef farm for us and a dairy farm for us and um we have a bull right now who we have to separate you know a lot of the time of the year we have to sell if he because usually like luckily he'll breed the girls they'll have a boy we let the boy keep his balls for nine months we steer them and then we butcher them in about two or three years hopefully but if he has a girl we have to get that girl out of here in like nine months yeah because he'll breed his daughter and then you know that's no good so i think we have decided to because wally's back feet our bull his back feet are bad i think are the three like um the three highlands we got initially i think they were malnourished as calves growing up so they're smaller than just like typical highlands would be yeah so um wally our bull has like bad feet like he's i think he's it's called sickle hooved so he like sits on the back parts of his feet so they kind of like oh they curve like skis yeah Yeah. so he's only three years old like highlands shouldn't need their feet trimmed ever and if they do need him trimmed they're like 12 years old so i think we're gonna call him in november um it was we're gonna talk to you about coming down here i don't know i'm down it'd be best to have you come down for the slaughtering part or the quartering part i've slaughtered plenty of deer right this is the first time because our cows age if you're if a cow is over two years old and you take it to a butcher you lose all the t-bones and all the spine off the cow right they just throw it away because of mad cow disease and i mean they they have they're obligated to so we want to butcher here because it's important to me that it's real important to me that we do that right. and um i I'm hoping that we're going to call him. We'll have him in November because we ate a whole Highland. It'll be six months and the whole cow's gone. That's how much beef we eat. Well, yeah, your husband's like literally huge. He eats two pounds of beef a day at least. And I eat a pound of beef and our son isn't even eating right now. He's so breastfed. So, well, and he's going to, cause he's like a beast. Yes. Like he's, <laughs> he's already 34 pounds and he's 16 months old. Oh yeah. Every time I see a picture, I'm like, dude, that boy is going to be freaking, <laughs> he's just going to, he's going to be so. picking up cows and walking with them. Like, come on. He already go. chases chickens. So he'll just chase cows as you know, it'll, you know, yeah, but no, so we're, yeah, I already we're going to butch- that it just let me know whenever you guys want me to come out and, and I'll come out. Yeah. I you. think we have a guy too, that can help with like the, is this butcher that contacted me is from Rhode Island. Cause like, we have to dry age the meat, right? right? So we're like, like with you, like I'd hate to fly you down to just slaughter it. You leave and then have to like fly you back in two months. That's just not, you know, right. it's, it's yeah. a lot of money. So I think having you for the slaughtering and like the skinning and the quartering and then having the other guy maybe for like the, because I've, you know, I've done plenty of deer, but cows are, and I've been raising this thing for years. Right. I don't want to mess it up. Right. You know, that's that's three years of my time gone. So I um so we're gonna butcher him in the in November. Um, because you can only butcher grass fed cows once a year if you want to do it right. And um 
and butcher him. And then I think we're going to start AIing our girls who want bread. Mm. That way, every cow born at Roseborg can be used for meat. Right. Every single one. Because even too, we're, we're, we have one uh, Highland, her name's Sushi. She's kind of an asshole a lot of the times. And I'm like, maybe we should call her. Like, where, why do we want to deal with that? And, but she gets bred and I don't want to butcher a cow that has a five month calf in it. Right. Especially if that calf's going to be a, a boy and I can steer it and have a whole other cow, you know? So I think for our farm and for our purpose and what we're doing, like we're not breeding and selling cows. I think AIing is going to be the way to go for us as it stands that this decision was made yesterday. So, <laughs> so it could all change. You never know. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to stick, but well, uh, Wally's definitely ready to be butchered. He's old enough. Grass fed cows. It probably takes about three years, two to three years for to butcher him. Which is it's crazy too, to think about, you know, it's a process. People think that raising your own food, it's like, Oh, you raise a cow, you kill a cow. It's, even talking to some of these four, you know, during COVID, uh, I had a chance to talk to a lot of 4-H kids because oh, yeah, yeah. they couldn't sell their animals because yeah. all the fairs and all the county fairs and all the auctions and stuff were shut down during the Rona, right? Got to so, beef them then. And so that first year, these kids were like, what do we do with, you know, and a lot of these kids aren't living in farms like you where they can, ah, we can let them go another year and make them fatter and then we can, or we can eat them at home. These uh, are, yeah. These are kids. Got them that, a little barn. Yeah. These are kids that are paying for a stall you know, yeah. in Orange County at the fairgrounds that they're raising this, this hog in or these sheep in. And I actually had the chance to go there during COVID and teach all these 4-H kids like how to process their own meat. Cause I'm like, just eat it. Well, yeah, but no, it's like they didn't want to pay another 250 bucks to a butcher. And so we went yeah, over and there. And if you can even get it like at that point, butchers were so like, even today you can't get into a butcher. Yeah. The demand is so high. Like I, um, we have another Highland farm about a half hour from here and they are just a beef production and they go to a, this guy isn't even USDA certified. He's just Ohio certified Yeah. and they can't get into him. Yeah. And it's just, and it's, it's crazy, but we sat there with all these kids and I think there was like 30 kids where they had 30 big old fat, you know, 250 pound hogs. And we yeah. used, and we used the fairgrounds. We used like the stockade area. We hung these up. And we went through this process of these kids and we're like, now you can take this meat home. And it was crazy to see these kids that had raised an animal for a year and they're used to selling the animal. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden these, half these kids are now raising two because they want to eat one at their home. And then they want to sell one to pay for the two that they're, that they're raising. And there's, it's this crazy cycle. But one of the things we were talking about with these kids was the time and effort it takes to raise an animal. And people, yeah. people don't understand that, you know, you do get to know this animal. You do get to, you know, you, you pet it, you clean it, you take care of it, you whatever. And then when it comes time to it, it's becomes food. And they were, a lot of these kids were getting razzed in school and they're getting, you know, hate emails and hate this and hate this and social media. And it's at the end of the day, those same kids that are hating it are going to McDonald's and buying a cheeseburger. And, and we are so disconnected from that. As just a a society, like, so I actually wrote a children's book. Um, It's coming out in the spring of 2024. It's called From Our Farm to Our Table. And it's about kind of talking to your kids about where your food comes from. And it's such an important conversation. And it is a hard conversation to have, you know, that your food has a face and that, Cause a lot of people think things that make them sad are things that are wrong. Right. And that's not true. 
just because something's sad doesn't mean it's inherently like wrong. Yeah. And I like when we butcher Wally, I mean, you're, you'll probably be here for it. I'm going to cry like a freaking baby. Like right. that was my, he was my, one of my first, he was at three cows were my first cows and he was one of them. And he's been the only bull we've had on this farm. He's our, he's like the leader of our farm. So butchering him is going to be, he's like our most vocal cow. He like licks my hands. Like he's, he's so sweet. And it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard day when it's time to call him. You know, he's given his life to feed my family and that's not something I take lightly for sure. Yeah. No. And I think that's where it comes down to people who are, you know, we get, we get called mindless killers and blah, 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 blah. You, you know, you look at the death threats that I get and I bet you get them too. And it's so my son too. People are freaking crazy. Oh yeah. I got told one time they're going to string my daughters up from a flagpole. Like I do deer. Yeah. I'm like, what the, f- huh? Um, but I, I look at this whole, this whole living off the land and living with your animals. And I shot a bear in Alaska and I started crying like a freaking baby. Right. Yeah. And the guy looks over, like the camera guy's looking over at me. He's crying. Our, my buddy who lives in Alaska with me, he's crying. And we had a guy that was not a hunter. He was just a, you know, a photographer just there to photograph. And he's like, what? And I said, I, I don't like killing. Like there's not a desire in me to go kill something. Yeah. yeah. I go, but I know that the only means to what I want, how I want to feed my family is that I have to kill and I have to, I have to take a life and it's not, you know, I use the word harvest. A lot of people use the word harvest, but harvest, I think kind of puts that sugar coat. So a lot of us don't feel bad and we say, Oh, we're going to, yeah. we're going to go harvest our cow or we're going to mm-hmm. go, we're going to go harvest a deer. It makes it so people are like, Oh, they're going to harvest. But no, I mean, I, I took a life. I killed, I, I took this animal off of this earth from its last breath. And I don't take that lightly. And I don't, and I don't expect anybody to take it lightly. And if you didn't cry over your cow, I think there'd be something wrong yeah especially because i it's gonna be like with hunting the deer is scared of me the turkey is scared of me the bear is scared of me wally's gonna think i'm just coming up to pat him like i'm freaking gonna get emotional just talking about it like it's gonna be it's gonna be hard real hard yeah but i think that's where that story and that circle of life really come into play and where you can actually you, you actually have a whole new avenue to teach your son and teach other people who are kind of frustrated on the issue or don't understand it because I guarantee it's going to be documented. You know, you guys are going to document this whole thing and you guys are going to, it's going to be a learning experience. And I think that's the best part about what you guys do. And what I do is that we aren't, we are not in this for ourselves. Um, And I can see that with the posts that you post and the stories that your husband posts, we do this because we enjoy this and we love it, but we also do it because we want other people to understand it and we're not, we're not scared to get out there and talk about it. We're not scared to, you know, piss people off with, with our, with our narrative. And I think that's, that's kind of one of the things that I really respect about, you know, you and Ray is that you guys just don't care. And this is our (laughs) life in in, in a positive way. Cause I get that all the time too. Like, Oh, you just don't care. I'm like, well, no, there's, there's a difference. I'm not an asshole about it. I'm not a, I'm not judgmental. I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, super preachy, but like, it's very safe to voice certain opinions, yeah. right? It's very safe to be pro this, anti that, whatever. It's not safe to to speak to a lot of the opinions I have, but they're not bad opinions. Right? They're just not what the current, it's not what the media currently is, you know, 
like putting on a spotlight, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a thing that has been kind of demonized. So people just do it and don't talk about it. Yeah. Especially here in Southern California, in Ohio, it's gotta be a lot easier for you to do what you do. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Being a hunter, being a hunter, homesteader, you know, fill in the blank, you know, living in California, it's the opposite. It's, I feel bad for my daughters when, you know, my oldest went to school and she had venison summer sausage and she was sitting there and one of the kids is making fun of her because they're like, you're the only kid in school eating deer. Oh, you're such a hick. You're such a redneck. You're such a this, you're such a that, uh, you know, and my daughter, you're so mean. my daughter gets in the car and I go, well, what'd you do? She's like, I just took a big old bite and said, well, you're just jealous. You don't have any. And I was like, that's right. And I think, <laughs> I love that. but I think that these kids just don't know. And they're being fed by their parents, this narrative that's on the news you know, and, yeah. all this, and all the stuff that's going on with guns and everything else. I can't tell you how many people at my church and my mom's church gave me calls and emails like, what are your thoughts on this? And why are this? And I'm like, you don't care what my thoughts are on it. You don't care what, yeah, you, don't, I, you, don't, you don't care what my opinion is. You, you have, you have never touched a gun in your life, but you've heard on the news how evil and how destructive and how bad they are. So therefore I'm evil. I'm bad because I own guns, you know? Yeah. And it's, and even when someone like, like I get a lot of people asking me, like, I'm, I'm curing my allergies with being metabolically healthy. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's something that's taken me a long time. I'm still working on it, but like it's getting better. It's not like a quick fix. So like if someone asks me about hunting or asked me about my allergies or asked me about, and I'm like, do you really want to have this conversation? Like, do you, cause like, it's not the American like way really now. Yeah. It's not a quick fix. It's not something that's right there. It's not like immediately satisfying. So people don't want to do it or they're like, it doesn't work. Cause I tried it for two weeks and it doesn't work. Yeah. Or hunting is stupid. Cause I went and didn't get anything or like it's the long game is lost. Yeah. And so much of any culture really like America more so than others, but so it's hard to even have those conversations with people because they're not ready to hear it. Yeah. Like well, there's the, a lot of times that I admit I had to be ready to hear certain things. Yeah. Especially when it comes to your health. And it's, I, I found that I will recommend books and yeah. if the person can take the time to read the book and then come back to me, they're usually ready to hear what I have to say. So I'm like, Oh, read this book and come back with me. Like read nourishing traditions or read blah, 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 and come back with me. And if they do, I'm like, okay, we're ready to talk about this. Other times, unless you have time to sit there and argue, which. Yeah. But the problem that I found with arguing and debating is there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. And, and that's the problem that people want to get in this argument. You're like, listen, one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose in, in somebody's mind. And I think mm-hmm. when we have a conversation, conversations can end open-ended. And so yeah. I, I get people all the time like, oh, let's argue about that. I'm like, no, let's, let's have a conversation. Or, hey, you want to debate about this? I'm like, no, I'll have a conversation with you because I'm probably like you where I'm over-educated to the point where if I want to do something, I'm going to I'm gonna study it. I'm not just going to like jump in and be like, okay, I'm going to give myself two weeks for it. I mean, I get yeah. books. I, I watch podcasts. I'm watching documentaries. I'm doing everything. And I can, as much info as I can before I even start it. There's a micro gut biologist um, that uh, really helped me with my beef allergy and, mm-hmm. and educating me and a bunch of stuff that I was going to. And her whole thing was your body resets has, it has a reset within 30 to 40 days. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of these diets, especially gut biome wise, oh, for sure. A lot of these diets yeah. out there like keto and you know, whatever else you want to throw out there for these 30 day quick fix things. Mm-hmm. The reason that it works is because your body's resetting itself. Yeah. And, and your body wants to be healthy. It's actively trying constantly to be healthy. <laughs> and we're continuing. And so a lot of people, they, yeah, they'll lose the 20 pounds or whatever, but then all of a sudden they go back to this, this state of, well, I can go back and eat it. And then your body resets itself again, but it's resetting itself faster because it's trying to absorb all these things that you just got rid of for 30 days and you, mm-hmm. you become less healthy and actually worse. And, and I know that you, for you, you were struggling, you know, you guys were doing like a, the carnivore diet. I think recently you just posted something about like how you can't anymore. Well, I, it's, it's not, it's not that I can't. Um, I, I could definitely keep on doing it, but I feel like a lot of people, um, if they haven't have a symptom, right. And they heal it or they treat the symptom naturally with something as like a diet or a herbal tea or, or something like that. They think that that is addressing it. Then it's done. Right. I found that my carnivore diet, while it did make me feel better, it was just addressing my symptoms and not helping me become more better metabolically healthy to help my root cause. Right. So like my gut biome right now is for, I'm, I'm sure from like, cause when I was on the road wrestling with WWE, my stomach was wrecked, like beyond wrecked. And it's a lot better now. And like, I'm getting, you know, healthier all the time, but like it takes, it's taken a lot of like, no, this is treating my symptoms, not treating my root cause, like getting my root cause like dealt with. Cause if there was a one-stop allergy thing, if I just needed to do one thing with my allergies, I would have freaking found it by now. Cause I've been taking, I've been taking antihistamines for over 10 years. Yeah. Same here. I, I was, um, I was in high, in high school. My, um, I had a drug addicted mom and like, there's a bunch of, I was a very stressed high schooler. And I remember my allergies starting in high school because I thought I had a cold. Like six months later, I'm like, what the heck? And I went and got my allergies tested. They're like, you're allergic to all this stuff. And I was like, since when? Yeah. I grew up on a farm. Like, I I shouldn't be allergic to freaking grass. And so I spent all this time, like, I tried the allergy shots. I've tried different kinds of antihistamines. I've tried different diets. I've tried. And what I've stumbled on now is... I'm becoming more metabolically healthy, which is harder for a female than a male. Like our bodies are always, if our bodies are stressed, where our main objective is to reproduce, right? Our body is always going to do what it needs to do to try and reproduce. Yeah. So if my body is stressed, if my body is like me not eating carbs, is probably really stressing me out. My body really stressing my body. I like your brain needs carbs. Yeah. Um, your great brain needs glucose. And I was just, Cause even on a carnivore diet, like my periods are really heavy. Like my nose felt better, but my stomach wasn't better. My periods were better. Like, so now I'm eating more foods than I ever had before symptom free, which is huge for me. Um, I had to come to peace with just because something makes my nose stuffy. doesn't mean it's wrong. So just like fermented foods, I still can't tolerate very well, but um, they just like totally crap. wreck me, but like going on this journey of just being truly nourished for the first time in my life. Because if you're stressed out, your body goes through your reserves of copper, it goes through reserves of magnesium, it goes, it goes through all that stuff really quickly. And I wasn't, I probably burned through all my nutrient reserves and was just running on, my body was trying to maintain a state of like homeostasis. Yeah. 
because I was in the gym, wasn't getting stronger, wasn't losing weight, like wasn't, I'm like, you know, what is wrong? Like the only thing that I could do to like, because I was on a calorie deficit for my entire wrestling career. So, and to lose weight, I had to count macros. There was no other way I could lose weight. I had to trick my body into thinking that it was safe and then cut back and cut back and cut back rather than actually making my body feel safe, balancing my own hormones, eating nutrient-dense foods. It's gotten to the point that if I travel now, my body's constantly hungry because I'm not eating the nutrient-dense foods I'm eating at home. Yeah. So I tend to like overeat on the road, which is, which has been a common issue. Yeah. But that's, and see, but you're <laughs> overeating things that you're, you shouldn't be overeating because you're, you know, it's sort of like we all, I mean, a lot of us grew up playing sports and surfing and, you know, especially here, a lot of us did water polo and swimming. And yeah. the, pro- the problem that, you know, again, as a swimmer, you are burning so much just in, a, you know, in yeah. your, in your races. And then you are done swimming and you get out of high school and you're still eating like you were a swimmer. And, yeah. you know, you have all these swimmers that all of a sudden become all plump in college. You're like, what is going on? Well, it's because you're still eating the five, you know, 100,000 calories that you needed for your body to sustain itself. And you tricked your body into this is what it is. But, and I found that too, is I travel a ton as well for what I do. Mm-hmm. And you watch all these people, you know, I've, I've been out with a lot of hunters and whatever. And they're stopping at the McDonald's in the airport and getting, you know, like four Big Macs cause they're starving. And it's like, then they make fun of me because I packed a sandwich and I go, I just can't. Yeah. I, I, and again, with me having understanding my gut issues and understanding the way that my body works, just like you have yep. once, once you feel healthy, you don't ever want to not feel healthy again. And yeah, like your, your body is won't tolerate it. Yeah. Like I gave up, I gave up all soda. Like I, I can't have caffeine. It's one of my mm-hmm. like things that just wrecks me. Caffeines, dark, dark sodas. I don't, I might give up all sodas, but yeah. you start to look at all these things. People are like, how do you not live on coffee? How do you not? It's like once you're, you, I'm not tired. I'm not drog, groggy. I'm never having these crashes because I'm and not. And we're parents who don't sleep and we don't drink coffee and we're less tired than parents who do sleep or people who sleep and drink coffee. Like what the hell is wrong with that? And my yeah. wife and like, I love my wife to death, but she has to get up. <laughs> she has to get up and have two cups of coffee in the morning and then she'll have one when she gets to work. And, and I told her, I'm uh-huh. like, I go, it's an addiction. No, it's cause I know it's an addiction. Just like alcohol, just like smoking, just like anything else, your body is craving and desiring mm-hmm. this. You know, I, I, there's these two dudes I hunt with, you know, the Gill brothers from Texas and um, one of, you know, they drank a lot of alcohol they started hunting with me and they realized that, wait, you can hunt and not drink alcohol. Like, wait, 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 that's preferably. Wait, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But you think about like Texas boys, right? It's like, Oh, that's the first thing you do. You go to some of these yeah. blinds, they have ice chests full of beer in the blinds when you're hunting deer. It's just, it's what you do. And it's like, part of like the culture almost. Yeah. hundred percent. And so like they don't drink anymore because they realize that like the way it was jacking up their bodies you know, they're not chewing and dipping anymore. It's like all these different things they were doing. They're like, wait, you can do that and still have all the fun. And, you know, it's like they're healthier, they're better. And it's, you can really make an impact on people. And I think for you personally, continually sharing that, I think you even shared your story, like, Hey, do you want to know more about it? It was like 98% that people were like, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm working on kind of, cause my, I, I work with a lady, uh, her name's Kimber Malden. She's, uh, I found her on Instagram. She's a big, like, uh, preacher of, especially, like, women's pro-metabolic health and how, like, um, f- things like fasting and cutting out carbs and and 
things like that how are just like stressors on a woman's metabolism and a woman's body and like kind of digging deeper into those reasons. So like she, she understands this much better than I do. Um, but I'm kind of trying to figure out how to start explaining to people in my own way, like what being metabolically healthy means for me. And I know I met a lot of people being like, well, I don't have these foods that you have. And like, I'm like, shit, I'm sorry. First of all, that sucks because my foods are amazing, but it, not everyone, like, it's, it's hard to call myself like sick, you know? Cause like, besides my nose, I feel great. My allergies will just freaking like punch me around the face. Like, yeah. for instance, I've been doing fantastic. Haven't taken a histamine in like six days. It's been the first time in 10 years. It's been six days, no antihistamines. And last night, I don't know what happened, but like hit me in the face. My like eyes were swollen. My nose was itchy. My face was swollen. My like chin was itchy. My throat was itchy. And I was like, ah, it was so hard not to just like be like, his eyes all take yeah. it. Um, I, I do take like nasal crom. It helps like the mast cells in your, in your nose, but it's not a histamine. So. Well, it's funny too, because I was just reading, cause I'm huge on allergies as well. And you know, even when I like, I'm allergic to sagebrush in California, like we go hunting, we hunt in all the sagebrush and it's just like, I'm at devastating. Oh, yeah. like, I can't even open my eyes sometimes. And whenever we get the winds or whatever, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I was just researching this whole big thing on antihistamines, over-the-counter antihistamines, how bad they are for a male's prostate. Now I know you're talking yeah. about like, but you're talking about like female, <coughs> you know, all the stuff that goes on with the female. Well, when you take those antihistamines in males, it actually like enlarges your prostate and actually makes it harder. Well, if you can't, you know, urinate how you're supposed to urinate, you're not sleeping well because you're up all night long. You're, and so it's all these things that I'm like, what the, and so understanding that whole process and getting away from that, like I haven't taken an allergy pill in two months and it's amazing just the way. I mean, yeah. Cause and the other thing too, like if you're teaching your body that it's, it's kind of like if you take testosterone, right. Your yeah. body will stop producing its own testosterone if you do it incorrectly. So like, if you're just especially like the Zizol and histamine I was taking, it actually blocks your body from making them period. Right. So when you stop it, your body, not only what other allergies you were dealing with, you know, before, but on top of that, now you're having to just, your body can't just digest histamines at all. Right. So, I mean, long story short, the, the approach I've been taking is just to nourish my body so much with, copper, magnesium, um, liver, like just a bunch of just eating all the nutrients I can to make my body have the best fighting chance to regulate my histamines. And it eventually like it, it will work eventually. It has been working better. Like I used to have an allergy attack. Like I had last night, like a couple times a day. Yeah. Like I was taking like Zizols for like 24 hours. I would have at a good day. I could take two a day. That's insane. Bad day I'm taking three or four. That's insane. And it's crazy when you look at like, I was reading a medical journal from Lewis and Clark and they were talking to a lot of the Native Americans and they were actually going through your guys' area. Um, yeah. And when they're making that whole trail to go west and they're talking to all the Native Americans that are living in the Dakotas and Ohio's and, you know, you name it all the way along the, all, all on that top part. And it was funny because to cure a lot of the things that we are dealing with today, they were using things from the animal, right? They weren't using natural things from the land. Like they weren't just like, Oh, well here, 
suck on this berry and it's going to, it's it's going to clear it up or, or, Hey, go, go smoke this, whatever. And it's going to clear it up. They were using the adrenal glands from elk, which hold more vitamin C than, you know, four oranges. Yeah. Vitamin C is huge. If you're trying to fix your adrenals and they're, you know, they're eating livers, they're eating kidneys, they're eating intestines, you know, intestines hold on to 90% of all the vitamins and minerals that are found in an, in the animal. So when the animal, so when your cow eats, it digests, it's, it's eating all of its nutrients, mm-hmm. all of its minerals, goes into its stomach, goes into its intestines before it gets defecated out. Well, mm-hmm. what happens is there's all that, uh, there's little hairs, little slime and bacterias and whatever that are actually pulling all the good minerals and everything out into the bloodstreams, but it's actually going through the, the intestines, right? Mm-hmm. And so what Native <coughs> Americans would do is they would actually rinse out all the feces and clean it out, you know, turn it, but leave all that mucus on there. And they would actually mm-hmm. eat the intestines and chew it like bubble gum when they were hunting, hiking. That gave them, it was like taking a, you know, a shot of whatever you can take when you go on, you know, your, I don't mean, I don't even know what in the Ozar, but, um, you know, the, like, the little like health shots, yeah, like, like your, juice, well, yeah. like, well, like your wilderness athlete or yeah. any of those type of, um, Hey, you're going to go hunting. You need this, this shot of <laughs> strawberry, whatever. Right. And that's what these young, um, you know, natives would do. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen a lot about like, um, especially in like native American and, you know, like tribal people, like, like the Hadza, for instance, if they, if they have heart issues, they eat a heart. Yeah. If they are having kidney issues, they eat kidney and so on and so forth, like eating the body part for what ails you kind of thing, especially of, it has to be of a healthy animal. Right. Like a lot of the, um, I have a friend who's vegan and we had a conversation yesterday about, I was like, isn't it, I was like, do you find it like, do you have like a moral crisis about having a diet that has to be supplemented? Like no matter what. You have to have B12. You have to. Yeah. And B12 is only in, only in meat. So like if I ate a perfect nosotel diet, I would have to supplement with anything. Yeah. All I need is in the animal, right? Or like even, you know, I'm not just a carnivore. All I need is in the animal or in fruits. But if I'm just eating fruits and vegetables and being vegan, I have to supplement. Yeah. I was like, is there, I was like, how do you feel about, how do you feel about that? And she's like, shit, I don't, I don't know. So like it. Well, even like a, like even a vegan lifestyle, it has to be processed and there's, yeah, a, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's no way you're buying all that stuff that you need. Just and vegan lifestyle is a privilege. Like no other 90% <laughs> of the population cannot be vegan or vegetarian. They just can't. Well, see and even in India where they are vegetarian, you know, I've been to India three times and you look mm-hmm. at these people who are still veg and they're, they struggle to be yeah. vegetarian and they're eating things that they shouldn't eat. And one of the guys in, in India that I know who runs an orphanage, they actually, the first thing they do when they get these girls in from these villages that are in sex trades and stuff like that, yeah. and they take these girls in, they put them in an orphanage, they give them education, they teach them how to be nurses and mm-hmm. seamstresses and fill in the blanks, right? The first thing they do is get them off of the vegan lifestyle. And it's not based on the religion. They still allow them to hold on to that, you know, that, that Hindu yeah, religion yeah. of, of sacred cows, but they give them into goats and sheeps and mm-hmm. pigs and other things that aren't cows, right? They still allow that, that, that natural Hindu aspect of it. 
And he goes, and the first thing they do is they see all these little girls who are malnourished, struggling, um, super, super anemic and sick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these girls are on their periods who are having irregular periods or not any at all, right? Because yeah, yeah. a lot of vegan yeah, lifestyles the... will take away it completely because of all the estrogen that you're eating with your soys and your whatever. And these girls all of a sudden become super, super healthy and super successful just by introducing a little bit. Of, it's not a lot. It's like they maybe will make a, um, like a butter chicken, right? Mm -hmm. Just to introduce this chicken and this protein and this, and it's crazy to see the health benefits that come from digesting and that come from the gut and we have friends. All right, it's, it's what our guts are literally made to do. Yeah. And it, it even comes onto the whole thing with like <coughs> a lot of the autism spectrums and stuff like that is you look at all these processed oils and sugars and, oh, there's, man, yeah. and there's evidence that, that it starts in utero. What yep. your, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I don't feed my kids that. No, but during pregnancy, your body ate and produced so much. I think we have so many allergies in this country now because of we've introduced it and we've introduced it for generations and generations. And the only way to get rid of these peanut allergies, these whatever allergies you want to fill in the blank is to start to start with your son and start with my daughter and the way that they eat. And that's how I'm approaching it. Like we've cut out all oils and trans fats from like, we don't do any, anything in our house. We don't do like fruit juices and a lot of their, yeah, yeah. and a, lot of, and, a yep. lot of, and a lot of their friends are looking, I'm going like, wait, you don't have fruit snacks. You don't have, this you don't it's like no my dad makes like i make all of our own like tortilla chips and stuff with avocado oil and ho, you know making ho like last night we had we had wild turkey tacos and it's like i made the tortillas from scratch like just yeah, yeah. just the masa just a little bit of salt and a little bit of you know bear lard is what went into them and it's my daughters are eating this thing and they're not but you look at the pack of a tortilla there's like 47 ingredients when all you need is three ingredients to make a tortilla Water, uh, salt, and masa. It's you know, it's ridiculous. Like I, when I, I feel like when you start on like health journeys, like like kind of what we we both are on, and you look at like ingredients lists like that, and you're like, no freaking wonder. Like especially like here in the in the Midwest, like if you had a typical Midwest diet, you're lucky. Like I like Ray, for instance. I'm like, he's so healthy, and I'm like, you are freaking like he'll he'll before he got on like our diet, he would have like bouts of psoriasis and his belly is, you know, digestion is what it is. But like, I'm like, man, you really made out good in this. And so I think people are, see people like Ray and think that like, that's the rule not the exception. Yeah. Like I, I grew up eating freaking tombstone pizzas and Mountain Dew, you know, <laughs> like all the yeah. time, every day. Like put, I'd smash a whole garlic bread tombstone pizza and drink, just kill Mountain Dew. And I'm, I grew up like that. Like I ate cereal every day, sometimes a couple times a day. And I freaking ice cream every day, like yeah. snack cakes. Like there, there was no like nutrition in my diet whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm luckier than maybe I should feel worse than I do, but yeah, but I think I, that's like you said, it starts with our kids. Like Cash is gonna grow up knowing like you can eat this stuff, like you can eat whatever, but I'm you're gonna know what your body feels like good. Yeah. Well, even we went to Yellowstone last year uh, as a family. We took you know last week of school, we just took the girls out. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna drive to Yellowstone and have fun as a family. And there was a couple times where it was 
an eight hour drive from one state yeah. to the next with a trailer. And my wife, we were, you know, stopped. She's like, let's just grab something, you know, fast food type deal. And I, I remember like after the second meal, my daughter was like, dad, we can't do this. This is, I don't feel good. I don't this, I don't. So she's like, can't we just when stop? You no, know you're doing it right. right. That's awesome. And it's my wife and I were like, yeah, but she's like, can we just stop and make a sandwich in the trailer? Like, and both, and even my younger one's like, yeah, I just want a sandwich in the trailer. And so it became one of those deals where, okay, you know, you're raising your kids, right? Cause all the other kids are like McDonald's. My kids are like, uh, can we not stop at McDonald's? My like, hey, it's the only thing in the, in the road. And they eat one cheeseburger and they're like, we don't feel good. We don't. And I think, yeah, that's, I think how, like how sabotage kids, especially taste buds are Yeah. from all the, you know, like artificial natural ingredients and all, all the stuff that's literally scientifically made to make you crave these foods and to like, like a lot of people, like I saw this thing and this person was like, I can't drink water. It's, it's gross. Like I can only, I can only drink it with like, like people who can only drink water with like, like little squirts of whatever, like, oh, like the Neos your taste or buds, whatever. Yeah. You need to like detox your taste buds. They are totally taken over and corrupt by all the artificial shit. Yeah. And your body doesn't know what's what. Right. No, and we're that's, so disconnected. And that's a hundred percent true. Cause like I said, I gave up, I gave up soda. Like I gave up dark sodas five years ago. But I would be like, oh, I'll have a ginger ale, I'll have a Sprite, have whatever just to get that. And when I gave it up this year completely, I haven't had one at all. Mm-hmm. And that first like two weeks drinking water was disgusting. And I know that's yeah, I, I, yeah. because I was like, oh, there's just no. F-. Now it's like I had a lemonade. We went to dinner the other night with my parents. I had a lemonade. And I was like, can I just get a water? Like, because the the lemonade was just like, oh, my gosh, it tastes too sugary. It tastes too and my teeth are just covered yeah, it was, it in was, stuff. <laughs> and it's just crazy when you, like you were saying, when you start to develop this in, in our kids, you know, my kids are older, but cash be the same way. When they start to have this lifestyle and they start to understand it. And even though my girls are living in the middle of the city and you're, you know, your boys running naked in the, in the mm-hmm. woods, <laughs> it's, they're having the same upbringing. They're having the same lifestyle. And I, yeah, it can be done literally anywhere. Like you don't have to have a farm to, no feed your kids good food and you don't have to go like when the pandemic hit when it was the middle and there was the food shelves were empty right yeah literally yeah if you walked over to the produce aisle it was full yeah, people and just don't know what to do with it that wasn't stuff even anymore. like literally i was i walked into our local grocery store in the dead middle of it and there was no cans of soups there was no canned vegetables there was no pastas there was no pasta sauces all the cookies and chips were completely gone. All the lunch meats were gone. And I walk around the corner to the produce aisle. And it was looked like it hadn't even been touched. I meant apples and fruits and vegetables. And lucky enough for me and for you, like, I don't need to go purchase meat. Right? And yeah, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was just like, all right, girls, load up whatever you want. And it was like, we had a basket full of everything. And we came home and we were like freezing it, canning it, doing this, doing that. Yeah, we made, yeah. You know, we made fruit roll-ups in a dehydrator with just fresh strawberries and honey and all these people are freaking out that they don't have food. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like just open your eyes and look and you don't need to, you know, but it, it, there was even meat. All the frozen pizzas were gone, but they were still like, yeah, yeah. Chickens and breasts and stuff like that. I'm like, it became easier for people to just grab and go and freak out than it was for them to, you know, live. And you know, even when the toilet paper and, was le- out, and learn a skill. Yeah. But even like when the toilet paper was out, I was like, you got a sock that you can throw in the washing machine. 
Because that's the only toilet yeah. paper you need. Like, like <laughs> I remember an episode of Little House on the Prairie when they were given like their little squares. Mom's like, you got to go wash the, the outhouse squares. And it was like, <laughs> that's what it was. It was a piece of material. That was your square. You used it. You washed it. You hung it back up. You dried it. Like, yeah. the society we live in, it's kind of scary. And Everyone thinks that like they're mortality and their um well-being is up to someone else like no no one is coming to save you yeah no one gives a shit about you yeah especially no one gives a shit about your family in the way you do absolutely not yeah so like learn a skill learn how to take care of yourself like it what a basic human function of taking care of yourself people think that taking care of yourself is just making sure you don't i don't know that you're not inconvenienced like no taking care of yourself is feeding yourself and or like having plans in place like connect with your local farmer to know that like hey if i can't go to the grocery store like what do you have here i remember i used to go to a butcher was empty almost empty all the time and when covid started freaking packed yeah you know and it's i know it's it's hard to buy like whole cows and buy but it's so much cheaper if you buy a whole cow yeah. Like they say, like a poor man ends up spending more money than a rich man because they can't buy like a lump sum at one time. You know, like me and Ray, like it's embarrassing to say, but we were both like rolling in WWE money. Right. We didn't have care in the world. We would be, we would eat ribeyes every single night for yeah. like a year. I'm talking. we would go to every year, every week of the, the butcher. We'd smell like 200 bucks at least. And it now we're like and it was a. <clears throat> It was a thing when we got our cows, we're like, we need to start like using more of the freaking cow. Yeah. Like we have to, like a cow isn't just a big ribeye. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we need to. And now I get ribeyes like, I don't know, twice a year, you yeah. know, and it's like a little special thing. I did a study and wrote an article for Time Magazine on, That's cool. on how much, how many animals die to feed a family of four versus how many animals die for a hunting family of four. Mm-hmm. And what, what I did is I, I had three non-hunting families, three hunting families. I, I want to share that article. You need to send it to me. Yeah, That's it, awesome. Once it gets posted, we just, I just finished. Oh, okay. That. Okay. Um, it's, it's new. Sweet. And what it was is I had these, these families that we, I said, okay, for 30 days, every piece of meat, even if you order a pizza from pizza hut and it has pepperonis on there, just write a large pepperoni pizza. Um, Cause what I want to do is I want to take all the meat that your family eats and I want to compare it to how many animals need to die to process that food. Does that make yeah. sense? And so what it is, I took three hunters, my family included, who were pretty much 90% of our meat intake was from animals we harvested and we killed, mm-hmm. uh, being fresh fish, being deer, blah, 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 fill in the blank. And so what I did is I was absolutely flabbergasted that it was like three times to four times the amount of animals die for that family to be fed. So a family of four goes out and they all get, um, like you were saying, they all got, um, Porter houses. Mm-hmm. So they got, they actually got five Porter houses because they had a friend that was over. Do you know how many Porter houses come on a cow? Two to three, right? Yeah. So, I was, was going to say like, yeah, like four max. Like, well, cause, cause well, you have your, you have your, you have your T-bones. You usually split it in half. Right. So you, have like, your, you have your T-bones and you yeah. have your, your Porter houses, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it is. Your porterhouses are yeah. a little, so whole process, whatever. And so I'm looking at it. I'm okay. So two cows had to die. I don't care about any of the, the other meat that comes off of it. 
two cows had to die just for you guys to eat those porterhouses. If you think about it in the terms of the cuts of meat, right? They went mm-hmm. out and they had four, four breasts, uh, chicken breasts. Actually, they had five because dad had two. So now look at us. Okay, so three chickens, three chickens, yeah, <laughs> had to die just for you to have that dinner. And so when you start to look at it and start to, when my family, I said there was okay. We had tacos, we had chili, we had uh, egg rolls, we had Korean, you know, barbecue, and we had something else. I go, that's all still off one deer, right? That's all still off the one deer. So one animal died to feed my family for the week. An average family was was doing ten animals to eleven animals a week for their families to to eat. And that's not, so let's just say it's pepperoni pizza. Well, they said on an average to make a, you know, one pound thing of pepperoni, usually it's two to three animals blended in. So three. Yeah, Cause like, like a thing of meat is like, could be hundreds of cows, like right. some ground meat. Right. Yeah. yeah so sure. but we just said, okay, we'll take an average of three. Cause it was like three yeah. to 10 is what it was. So we'll, just, we'll take the lowest number. So just for you to order that mm-hmm. pepperoni pizza at Domino's, three pigs had to die for you to have pepperoni on your pizza. When you start to think about it in the process of you and Ray eating, you know, how many porterhouses, how many cows or, or ribeyes, how many oh, cows man. had to die just for just for your family to procure ribeyes? It's 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 kind of like like I with with your with your very well written article, like I I kill so many less animals now that I'm doing the actual killing yeah. than I do blindly when I'm just eating like I get time with people that are like, why don't you just go get your food at the store where <laughs> no daily. animals are harmed? Like yeah. that's a literal sentence people type out to me. Oh, all the time. I get it probably four to five times a week. Yeah, it's 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 just asinine. And then I think that ignorance is so bliss. Like I I try to, like, I try not to call it beef. I try to call it cow. I try not to call it pork. I try to call it pig. Not venison. I try to call it deer, because like with this lingo and this literature, like people don't, they know it, but they don't like understand it. Yeah. That something literally lived and died, like not only died, but lived and died for your food. Yeah. I was talking. And, if, and not only are you, are you so blind to that, but you're shitting on me yeah. for doing that process. Like, f- fuck you. Like majorly, like screw you. I was, I was at my daughter's school and, we were, it was talking, they wanted all these parents to come in that had different jobs. And so I went in as a chef and let the kids ask questions. And I had a little girl raise her hand and say, she's this, this is first grade. Where do chicken nuggets come from? And I kind of sat there and I was like, and so another little girl goes, yeah, where do chicken nuggets come from? I've always wondered where chicken nuggets come from. And my daughter, my eight year old looks around and goes, chicken nuggets. And they're like, yeah, where? She's chicken. like, chicken and they're like, okay, but like, where do they get the chicken meat from? Like, and these are one, you know, these are, these are seven, eight year olds who. Yeah, they're not like, yeah, learning shapes and shit. Yeah. You know? they, <laughs> but I think there's this disconnect from this fast food mentality that we have. People go, go to In-N-Out or Whataburger or wherever, and they get a hamburger and they have, there's no thought process that that's a cow. At all. Mm-hmm. I've never, you can go sit there and talk to a bunch of people and say, hey, what are you eating? Oh, I'm eating a, a double-double. No one's going to say, I'm eating a cow, right? There's there's yeah. this, you come to our house and I make a burger and you ask, you ask my daughters, what are you eating? They're like, oh, this is deer meat. Like the first thing that comes to their mind is, is the critter that they're eating. And I think that this fast food mentality, this fast food nation is actually doing a, more harm than good to a lot of people. 
hundred percent. Like I was in a, I was pregnant. I was visiting my friend in Florida and, um, they were at, they were at TV and I was at the house and, you know, it's free and hungry and pregnant. And I ordered, I was like, well, I want to try to get some decent food. And there was this Mexican restaurant with beef tongue tacos. I'm mm. like, yes, getting the beef tongue tacos. The beef tongue tacos were humongous and I ordered way too many. So I didn't eat all of them. I had them at the house. She comes back. She only eats cookies when she's at TV. She comes back. So naturally she's starving because it's been 15 hours and all she's eating is cookies. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. I'm like, hey, I got a, I got some tacos in there if you want some. She starts eating it. She's like, oh my God, they're so good. And I was like, oh, you like those, huh? She's like, yeah. She smashed them. I was like, that's beef tongue. And she went, oh, oh, and threw it away. And I was like, you're what's wrong with America. And she oh, got all upset. But it's, it's mind blowing that like my mom will come over and she's like, this isn't deer, is it? I'm like, get, get out of my freaking house. Yeah, like, woman. I'm sorry. I'm cooking for you. Like this isn't just baked chicken with freaking vegetable oil all over it. Like and cream, and cream and mushroom soup on top. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm just, it's, it's something I, I struggle. Ray's family is fantastic with it. Like they, they make me feel like a little, Cause I, I didn't cook for nothing when me and Ray first started dating. Yeah. Ray left for Japan one time. I lost 15 pounds. Cause all I ate was peanut butter sandwiches. My mom didn't cook. My dad didn't cook. We just ate. And at that time I was living by myself in Florida trying to be a, you know, a freaking lady wrestler. So I didn't have no money. So I'm eating like, if I was really hungry, I would eat like a triple decker peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Throw and a banana so on there can, or something. Yeah. And it's like come to the point where I've, seen how important food is and i know how important food quality is even from a like organic standpoint like i want to know what the soil was like because your food's only gonna be as good as the soil for beef and for vegetables and fruit it's yeah. not gonna be as good as where the ground is and so i've ray doesn't cook at all anymore he might smoke some stuff on the trigger like your shirt but i do like i prepared bread like I'm going to bake it as soon as we freaking get off here. Like I'm making bread. I'm making sure we have um, good or good carbs. And if I can't grow it here, we're buying organic and we're trying to buy it from a local farm and yada, yada. So I think once you really, really understand how important food is, it becomes, cause I spend my whole life. I'm either taking care of food, preparing food, or I'm being food. That's yeah. my day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my life you, revolves around food. But if you don't eat, you die. And that goes yes. for and that goes for everything from the the lettuce of a vegetarian eats to the cow we eat. If if everything must die for something to live, and I think yeah, vegetarians talk about how like they have like a a victimless diet. Like okay, I a par portion of my pasture is just for hay, right? It's for hay for my cows for the winter. You should see how many turkey vultures hang out in my pasture for like weeks after we just cut the grass. Because so many deer, I mean, especially if you have like a big corn operation that freaking combines going yeah. through, like deer die, like hundreds of animals die. Yeah. Well, just from so the many more animals alone. die for, yeah, for your little lettuce than my beef. Yeah. But even, you know, there's studies that if you don't, if, if your vegetables grow in, an, in a bad environment with bad music or bad, they're alive, they're, they're breeding, you know, your squash is breeding. It has yeah. a male part and a female part and those parts have to work together to create your fruit that you're eating off of that vine. That's mm -hmm. just because Disney didn't create a, a movie based around yours and yours just like, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a pescatarian the other day about why they only eat fish. And they told me that this is their exact quote. And I've heard it a couple times. 
Because fish don't blink. Fish don't have hair. That's literally their, well, fish don't blink, and so they just look at you lifeless. Oh, so that's okay that you can kill it, right? You can go on Instagram right now, and I can catch a fish, bludgeon a fish, hold up a bloody fish, and yeah, not, no and not get shit. censored. Yeah. But I can go deer hunting and just have me with a beautifully clean manicured deer that I'm that I'm hanging up to skin, and I'm going to get flagged. I'm going to get, because, again, it's that Disney mentality, this this nature, this, oh, my gosh, you did it. But even, like, I can't, I got flagged for butchering a, a wild turkey, for processing a wild turkey. Mm-hmm. But that stupid Salt Bay idiot is sitting there smacking sides of, of beef in a freezer, you know, like it's like dirty and provocative and then coming out and chopping it up and making it all sensual and sexual is completely fine. But me who's out there just quartering out a Turkey, I'm getting flagged and I'm getting banned because you know, I, because I'm me, you know, and he's him yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's not domesticated, but I, I guarantee you, even if, you know, I come out there and help you guys yours and we post a picture of that cow hanging, it's going to get, Oh, well people are doing it themselves. And I think that's the, the hard thing. So anyway, I know you got to get back to your farm and back to your family. So uh, otherwise, I think you and I could probably talk on this subject for another four and a half, five hours. When you come when you come in November, we'll have to do like a podcast episode here, like maybe after we uh, after we, you know, slaughter and, and butcher the deer and have a real where you won't be able to hear me talking because I'll be sobbing. But yeah, but that's real and raw. And what would be really cool, too, is I've got a I've got a portable podcaster that you can hook yeah. up uh, lapel mics to. And so we could actually be butchering and podcasting as we butcher, oh. uh, which would kind of be a cool different yeah. take and narrative on it. So anyway, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can, you know, I know you guys have a lot of cool things coming out. You guys got a cool website, but where can they follow you? Where can they follow Ray? Where can they follow the homestead? And just kind of, and I know that you're very open on social media and you respond to people's comments. You are the one who runs your social. So if you yes. have a question, comment, concern, you can reach out to Sarah and she's going to answer you personally and honest and open uh, on that. Yeah. I I won't argue with you, but I will educate a motherfucker real quick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you go to roseborg.com, it's kind of like a landing page for all of our shenanigans. Um, You can go on there and get our Instagrams, which is Sarah Rowe for me and Eric WWE for my husband. Um, but our YouTube channels on there are, um, we just went in with an archery business, but for our friend, it's called three, three Oh archery. Uh, you can find all that stuff on there. Um, yeah. Roseboard.com or Sarah Rowe on Instagram. And I'll throw all those little linky links down in the bios and all the podcasts. Appreciate it. So anyway, well, again, is there anything you want to say before you get out of here? Anything you want to leave as a, as a little nugget? Um, find your local farmer. And stop being mean to people who are doing it already. <laughs> Amen. And being mean is not just uh, saying mean things, but it's also just, uh, I think, posting and being negative about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Like just be, be, don't be an asshole. Just you, you I, I saw this thing. It was like, you are in control of the content you consume. Amen. So if you don't like it. Yeah. Why do, why do people follow and comment on stuff? When I'm like, they're like, this is so not me. I'm like, well, then click, do not follow. Yes, like, yes. It's literally, <laughs> you don't even have to move. Just do, 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 click, click. little so, finger action and you're, and you're good. Oh, anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Tell your husband hi and then just shoot me some dates. You guys want me to come and be there when you kill, yes. when you kill a cow and I will make it happen. And I'll probably have to bring something cold because it might be a little chilly. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're about race size. We we, we got we got plenty of stuff too. Yeah. Well, I have stuff too because I hunt in cold weather. But oh, uh, true. Okay. But anyway, well, thank, thank you for having me, man. I had a had a great time. It's nice to have adult conversation once in a while. Oh, you're telling me. I'm just looking at my clock, going, I got to go pick up kids from school. <laughs> Get out of here. Go uh, do it. <laughs> all right. Until next time, guys. Go ahead and follow along. Look down in the show notes. Follow uh, Sarah and Ray on their crazy adventures. And if you want to see Naked Cash Run on Instagram, check that out too because it is hilarious to see him running and playing (laughs) and being a kid in the wild. So thank you again. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.